0: Your home for free and fearless debate. It's Truth Jihad Radio. Subscribe by going to truthjihad.com and clicking the subscribe at Substack button. Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, bringing on interesting folks who have perspectives outside the mainstream. And today I'm going to a guy I actually just talked to not too long ago, Daniel Lazar. He's a freelance journalist. He's published three books on the U.S. Constitution and government. And I recently got a chance to sort of debate him on press TV. I I missed the debate show, which they're not doing really anymore, where I got to yell and scream at Zionists and things like that. And I missed it so much that when Daniel Lazar came on to talk about Daesh in Afghanistan, I couldn't resist kind of picking a little bit of a fight, even though I basically agree with Dan and respect a lot of his views. But, uh, I missed that debate show. Uh, Dan, were you ever part of Press TV's debate show?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been on it a few times.
0: Yeah. I like think
1: the... so. I think I have been. Yeah.
0: yeah they, 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 it doesn't seem like the debates are quite as fiery as they used to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was, it was kind of fun exchanging views about Daesh and Afghanistan. We're really not that far apart on that. Um, so maybe we, we could get started and introduce the listeners to your background. So t- tell us about how you came to be a, um, a, a writer, journalist and political analyst.
1: Well, um, I've always wanted to be a journalist, uh, since I guess I was like 19 or 20. I, I, I worked on the Daily Cardinal. At the mm-hmm. University of Wisconsin. Me too. Uh, what well, great! And uh, and I got involved in, a, in radical left politics uh, in Madison. Me too. Uh, th- <laughs> then I then I graduated, and I, uh, I uh, after a couple of years later, I got a job with a, a small paper in Central Jersey, and then I graduate graduated to a bigger paper in North Jersey, and then I went freelance, and then in '96 uh, I published my first book. Uh, and then I published two more in the year two thousand one. And um that's kind of the story. I I got a along the way I got a master's degree in English at Columbia. I guess that's of some relevance. And um uh I've been writing uh ever since. I'm I uh, I publish uh, most regularly now at a at a at a in a at a in a British publication called the Weekly Worker. Uh, available at uh, weekly, week, weeklyworker.co.uk, if anyone's interested, uh, where I write about, uh, U.S. politics, mainly from a Marxist perspective.
0: Excellent. So, I, I wonder if, like me, part of the reason that you went freelance was, and, and I've gone freelance twice, once after graduating from the journalism school at Wisconsin, and then secondly, after getting chased out of the University of Wisconsin in 2006, for saying the wrong things about 9-11. I'm wondering if, if, you too, uh, partly decided to go freelance because it was hard to comply with the restrictions on what you're allowed to say when you're employed.
1: Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, I mean, American journalism, I mean, the, the established American journalism, which by the way is now come almost completely dead. It's been just destroyed by, by the internet. Um, I can't, I, it's hard to think of a, of another industry that's been more thoroughly leveled uh, than the newspaper industry. But, um, but in its time, you know, you had to, you had to play by certain rules and the rules were extremely constrictive. Um, They're paralyzing. And yeah, so eventually, you know, I just, uh, just couldn't stand anymore. And I, and I, I got out and I think it was a uh, 87 or 88. I forgot maybe 89. I'm not positive actually. And then, you no, know, started working for various publications, freelancing. And, uh, and then, uh, in 93, I believe I started working on my first book.
0: Great. Yeah. Well, we've led kind of parallel lives between the, you know, the Wisconsin uh, connection and yeah. Daily Cardinal left politics in Madison, things like that, uh, getting into journalism, going freelance. And then I went back and got a master's in English, too. That was my first of three MAs, uh, at San Francisco State, actually.
1: This is is amazing. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Right. Pretty uh, pretty eerie, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe we're long lost uh, like twins from another lifetime or one of those crazy stories. But uh, in any case, uh, so you're now known in the left journalism circles for standing up against that segment of the so-called alleged left that has been cheerleading for some of the empire's wars and especially the one in Syria. Uh, my old friend David Williams, shout out to David, is an old time lefty organizer and rabble rouser from Madison, Wisconsin, who has been driving me crazy and, you know, yelling and screaming at me because he, uh, is totally on the side of the anti-Syrian government forces. And he, you know, thinks I'm part of this horrible conspiracy to destroy human rights and support the torture chambers of Bashar al-Assad and things like that. Well, you're kind of on my side on that one, uh, at confronting these people on the left who have totally sided with the anti-Syrian government initiative. So maybe you could talk about how you came to that position and tell us a few war stories from that.
1: Well, uh, if I, if I remember who David Williams is correctly, David is a, was a follower, was a stalwart of something called the, uh, the Young Socialist Alliance, which was a Trotskyist group in, uh, in Madison, well, nation, nationwide, uh, which was allied with a certain faction of the international Trotskyist movement, which had, had splintered over the years. And that faction, which followed a man named Ernest Mandel, uh, essentially kind of wound up adapting to various middle class currents, feminism, black uh, nationalism, other kinds of feel good forces which seem to be democratic um and, and among them which was the dissident movement in Syria which uh was very early on started blocking with the Muslim Brotherhood against the Assad government and 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 let me emphasize um from, make absolutely clear that I am not an Assadist. I think the uh, the Assad family dynasty uh, reached a political dead end, you know, a half a century ago. They're exhausted. Um, but um, the problem with the rebel, with the dissidents, who later became rebels and who joined forces with the Muslim Brotherhood, is that they wound up opposing the Assad regime from the diametrically wrong direction that was from a direction which was increasingly colored by um sunni um sectarianism and syria is a highly diverse country uh, the sunni muslims are about 60 percent of the population but the other 40 percent consists of a rainbow coal- co- uh, coalition christians Uh, Of various types, uh, uh, Shiites, uh, uh, Alawites, Druze, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all held together under the Assad family dictatorship, which has kept itself in power by balancing those various communal elements off against one another. And they have created a certain space for the different communities to to at least survive and carry on in some kind of degree of comedy and the, 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 um, the dissident, uh, regime, uh, which sided with the Muslim Brotherhood, which eventually turned to the, the rebel movement of late 2011, early 2012, adopted an increasingly sectarian stance. And that essentially became the case more so when beginning in late 2011, uh, the Saudis started uh, directing funding, Saudis and other other Persian Gulf states towards um, towards uh, uh, guerrilla groups that were linked with al-Qaeda and were absolutely exterminationist in their attitudes towards the Alawites and the Shiites. Uh, so what so rather than what was what was painted abroad by everyone from the followers of Ernest Mandel to the 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 corporate media in the west new york times washington post etc as a great democratic struggle against the horrible assad family dictatorship was actually actually a a a horrible neo-medieval uh sectarian crusade against a regime that was seen as um being uh apostates who um, who were in league with the uh with the uh uh with with shiites and alawites against uh against uh sunni sectarianism so it became a horrible religious uh, civil war which caught led to, to hundreds of thousands of deaths destroyed uh the Syri- uh, syria um it was one of the most brutal acts uh carried out by the us and its allies uh it is just a a a war crime of the first order and what's been done to syria is um, just uh well it's a crime an mm. absolute crime
0: i i agree completely and and i i would somewhat agree with everything you've said adding of course the historical dimension it's not really so much just about religion but it's about the people that you know you're identifying religiously as the sunni muslim element in syria used to be on top under the ottoman empire and then they got overthrown by french colonialism and these uh, other forces the other uh, sectarian groups or whatever were enthroned by the French. So in a sense, they feel um, slighted um, by colonialism. That's part of the issue. But more pertinently, I would argue that if we ask who destroyed Syria, I wouldn't say it's the radical Sunnis or the Saudis or sectarians so much as I would say it's the Zio- Anglo-Zionist empire that did it. Uh, Jeffrey Feltman chaired a meeting in Paris in, what, 2010, 2011, I forget which, uh essentially laying out the strategy for destroying syria and then i would go one step further and say that speaking as a sunni muslim i guess you'd call me sunni i don't i don't think of myself particularly that way but because i i haven't specifically embraced any other group and i practice the maliki right from morocco that makes me de facto sunni in most people's eyes uh, i i would observe that this sectarian current that you're identifying is essentially a, a gigantic false flag that was created by the Anglo-Zionist Empire to try to contain the re- revolution in Iran in 1979. It's no coincidence that both that revolution and uh, Brzezinski's move into Afghanistan uh, and creation of Al CIA, duh, uh, happened at the same time. Al CIA, duh, was specifically one of its most important roles. That's totally been neglected by almost the entire mainstream. Was to channel. Uh, the rising Islamic uh, renaissance or uh, the the Islamic awakening uh, in this sectarian direction with the help of the Saudis. And bin Salman just recently admitted that everything he's done on, in support of radical Islam, everything the Saudi royal family has ever done in support of so-called radical Islam has been at the behest of the Americans. And before that, of course, it was the British, although he didn't say that. So I, I think that you're making a mistake by, you know, essentially falling for the Real Sunni Islamic credentials of these groups that are actually essentially created by the empire for imperial purposes. Well,
1: um, okay. I, well, I, I mean, again, I, I find myself agreeing with, like, no, with seventy-five percent of what you say. Um, but the, but first of all, Wahhabism was began in in the 1730s, Before the United States, was even but it under- wouldn't
0: even exist today if the British hadn't weaponized it, well, armed well, it, and well, funded but- it.
1: Yes, but it, but it began in the 1730s um, uh, when uh, when uh, Al wahhab a, a, a local mullah, a, uh, um, formed an alliance with the um, with a, a, a local um, uh, family uh, and essentially uh, declared jihad, which led to the conquest of, of much of the uh, Arabian Peninsula. Um, and, and and one of their first acts in 1803, if they're, if they're taking power, was to was to launch a bloody raid on. Uh, on a, on a Shiite city, uh, in, in today's Iraq, and what was the name of that, sh- uh, that, that city, I forgot what it was, an historic city where, um, where, uh, Ali met his death, uh, in the year six, in the 690s, I believe. Anyway, the, um, so, 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 so the, 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 the militant jihadist and militantly intolerant quality of Wahhabism goes back to the to the mid 18th century, before the Americans, even before the United States even existed, or before the British were even, uh, you know, players in that area. So I don't know how you can how you can possibly attribute the rise of Wahhabism to uh, to British or American imperialism, or Zionism, must, much less.
0: Well, I think I think the British moved in. I forget exactly when, but it wasn't very long after the birth of Wahhabism that that the British uh, did start meddling in the region, and they quickly found that uh, both the Wahhabi tendency in Islam and the uh, Ibn Saud bandit family, who had been making their living by raiding uh, murdering and robbing caravans of pilgrims, and then they quickly discovered they could use this Wahhabi ideology to justify their uh, depredations. The British discovered that wow, these these groups are perfect because we're basically trying to undermine uh, Islamic society in in this part of the world, so we can move in and grab the resources and and use it for a geostrategic uh, fulcrum point. And so we've got these two groups, uh, the religious cover and then the bandits who hate the muslims who can be weaponized against the indigenous culture and structure of society and power centers and that's what they did and they used those people uh, ultimately to overthrow the ottoman caliphate uh, so uh, yeah i i mean it's it's
1: it, you know. But the, but the British alliance was, was, first of all, was with the uh, was with the the coastal regimes in the Persian Gulf. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, so Ohio,
0: yeah, I t- I'm telling yeah. an oversimplified version of the story. Yeah, of
1: and uh, and uh, and, uh, and the and the, the Wahhabists were, you know, were in the in the in this the uh, the center of the peninsula, and um, I'm, I'm obviously my. But the, the, the British created Saudi the,
0: Arabia precisely because some of these other elements that they were the you know the Hashemites and so on that they were thinking of putting in charge after World War One yes. uh, wouldn't give them Palestine. So instead they uh cut a deal with the Wahhabas, created Saudi Arabia, and a, a, a mid level British civil servant whose name I forget actually created the name Saudi Arabia, which is of course absurd, you know, and,
1: and it, and the, one family And it was the US and it was it was the US beginning in the in the with a. SoCal, the um, Southern you know, California uh, Oil uh, Corporation, which virtually created the kingdom from scratch, beginning in the early 30s, when they started exploring for oil, and they found that that, that Saudi Arabia was sitting on the on the biggest and cheapest deposits of oil in the world, um, and essentially built the kingdom up, for, up from scratch. So, so yes, I fully agree. The kingdom is to a great extent a U.S. creation, uh, to a remarkable extent. Mm-hmm. And yes, it has worked hand in glove in the furtherance of U.S. foreign policy in the Persian Gulf region. There's just no doubt about it. Right. Um, but the, uh, so I, I agree with that. But um, uh, so, OK, so so what so what what are you what is your what is our argument? Here? What you <laughs>
0: yeah, That's a good question. I, I guess what we argued about on press TV was the kind of specific issues of you know, is there evidence, uh, enough to convince us that Daesh specifically was created, uh, by, by the U.S.? And first, I would, I would say, uh, d- d- how much evidence do we need is a philosophical question. And I've changed my views over time. Uh, when I was in the academy, um, I was operating by their rules which are that you have to prove something you know empirically seven ways from Sunday especially if it's controversial or cuts against the grain of mainstream you know power propaganda and uh, so that that makes them very timid and they're so timid that most of the academy is essentially at least for public purposes living in a completely false world in which a long list of historical events they're viewing them in a alice in wonderland fantasy world way the real world is the world of so-called conspiracy theorists. And if you want a good list of the so-called conspiracy theories and alternative interpretations of history that are almost certainly true, a good place to start would be uh, Ron Unz's American Pravda series of articles. Uh, So uh, I've come around to seeing it the way that you would see it if you were fighting a war. uh, And life and death uh, hung on your decisions on how to act and how to interpret things. In that kind of situation, you don't necessarily need to dot every I and cross every T to figure out what's going on. Instead, you you make a, a holistic assessment, and if it, you know, walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. And, for instance, with the January 6th insurrection right away, I said, this is almost certainly done by the FBI, And sure enough, we now know that it was and we know the people involved in everything. There was just a story in Revolver uh, going over the very abundant evidence, photographic and so on, uh, that the FBI organized the January 6th. It had had squads of tactical military people uh, embedded that. Got everybody interested in going into the capital in the first place and tricked them into it. So, uh, you, you, I didn't need all that empirical evidence to know that that was the case when it happened, just like I don't need the empirical evidence that, uh, Daesh was created by the Anglo-Zionist empire. There is some, though, including lies about how long Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was in American custody and so on and so forth. So, so maybe you can respond, uh, to, well, you know, is my yes, philosophical so, I, perspective off or what?
1: I believe it is. Yes, I mean I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in empirical rigor. I mean, you've, yes, you've got to, you've got to cross all the uh, all the Ts and dot all the I's, and you've got to line your evidence up, and you've got to be very cautious in how you evaluate that evidence. I mean, for example, and, I, I mean the way I see the rise of Al Qaeda is that yes, it did work uh, in you know, side by side with the U.S. and in uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, and uh, and yes um i mean uh osama bin laden was from a very prominent saudi family uh he was much admired by saudi by, by saudi society for his work in afghanistan and and that he was working in parallel with the us uh um i think i mean the us didn't create osama bin laden but they certainly were happy to to uh to, to see what he was doing and, uh, and and viewed uh his efforts in a in a benign way well, they, they, but, did, but, they did run, but, uh,
0: they owned but, and ran Sergeant Ali Muhammad, who was the guy who orchestrated the bombings in Africa that were attributed to al-Qaeda.
1: Well, I'm not aware of that, but certainly the very fact that al-Qaeda then turned around and attacked the World Trade Center uh, shows that they were not, they were just can't be reduced to an American creation. Well,
0: how about the fact that Bin Laden repeatedly denied and deplored the 9/11 attacks, called them un-Islamic? Uh, it's not—it's anti-Islamic to slaughter innocent civilians like that. Et cetera, et cetera. He said he denied and deployed those attacks three times so, in so, late so. September, early October 2001. And and then in the Taser Aluni interview that everybody has seen uh, a couple of weeks after that, after the U.S. invasion, he basically said, well, the Americans uh, deserve 9-11. And, you know, he said it in such a way that uh, it, it remains somewhat ambiguous, uh, his real feelings about it. And then we got the fatty Bin Laden fake video in which somebody who doesn't even look very much like Bin Laden cackles and chortles about 9/11, uh, no chain of custody, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and a long list of Bin Laden audio and videotapes. At least half of which have been absolutely proven seven ways from Sunday to be uh, forgeries. Since then, given all of that, I mean, I think the notion that Bin Laden and Al Qaeda are independent operators, and then given the history of Sergeant Ali Muhammad and other things like that, uh, I, I think you're exaggerating the degree to which they're anything other than, you know, basically a manual. Goldstein,
1: so Emmanuel. Uh, so so um uh, so so what you're saying therefore, so you're, you're saying the uh, you're a, a 9-11 truther who doesn't believe well, who you? doesn't believe that the uh, that 9-11 was carried out by the uh, by by the was was not a Saudi operation. No, I'm not. You think it was a Saudi I, operation? I, 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 I believe it was a, a Saudi operation. In fact, I think that the real scandal is that uh is that is the support the hijackers got, Al Qaeda got, in very high uh levels of uh Saudi. So what side, was the motivation? Including the royal family. And that um that the US that the Bush administration was desperate to cover this up and did cover it up in order to maintain uh its military alliance with the uh, the House of Saud. Wait a minute. why um, would why, why would so, the
0: Saudi why would why the Saudi leaders do that?
1: Because they quickly because they were uh because elements, uh jihadi elements were as hostile to the US as they were to the Soviets. Uh the um they, they wanted they wanted a they wanted to see a An Islamic uh, uh, ummah triumphant over American imperialism, and therefore they thought that a a dramatic act striking at a symbol of American power uh, would be be a step towards victory.
0: Oh, boy. Well, uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start really uh, with that, except I guess we could observe that in August of 2001, the king of Saudi Arabia announced that it was time for parting of the ways. The U.S. – uh, in Saudi Arabia, we're going to part ways. Saudi Arabia was going to leave the U.S. empire, and the reason for that was that people in the region, and especially people uh, on the peninsula, would not accept U.S. support for Israel. So he said that publicly, and it's of course we don't really know which side he was on but in the Saudi, Saudi power the, game.
1: But but the, but the Saudi royal royal family always says that, and then it always comes back to the fold. All well, right. I mean the if the if the, the U.S. Saudi alliance at this point is uh is. Um, is what is is 80 years old yeah so uh, so so, and, 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 so when saudi
0: arabia and, and, blows up the world trade center and the neocons get the new pearl harbor they called for a year before uh and israel gets saved from falling apart uh due to uh, the intifada the economic collapse around the dot com bubble and so on um you know it 's obvious that Saudi Arabia did not profit from this would not have profited from it, and the anti well, specifically anti empire elements in Saudi Arabia were all cleaned up and murdered after after nine eleven uh, it, it, that just as Bush threatened to bomb Pakistan back into the Stone Age, as Musharraf has said, undoubtedly the same threat was made to the Saudis as well. That was the end of the leaving the American orbit thing, and they killed a bunch of high-level Saudis who were actually in favor of leaving the American orbit. 9-11 was partly orchestrated to keep Saudi Arabia in the American orbit, as well as to implement the neocon uh, plan for a new American century through preemptive wars in the Middle East against Israel's enemies, and probably but Afghanistan putting, but, was on the agenda as well, uh, the, due to the, the importance of, of heroin money for CIA drug trafficking.
1: But you're but you're putting you're, you're putting a hundred carts before horses, and uh, and um, uh, and you're attributing far greater foresight uh, to uh, to Washington than Washington deserves. I mean, what what I mean, the way I see it is that is there were the. the, the the Saudi royal family wanted to continue with its U.S. alliance. That is the source of, of that is the whole basis for the Saudi regime. The Saudi regime essentially func- functions as an appendage of u s imperialism, no question about it um so the very top rungs of the royal family you know are are dedicated to that uh to that alliance yes, but the royal family consists of what is it seven thousand princes mm-hmm. and uh and 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 Saudi society was riddled with uh with other elements who were you know who were opposed to what the what the royal family was doing yes. and who believed and who believed in jihad and the concept of jihad as a as a global force. That would eventually, like, you no, know, due to the, due to the U.S., what it had done to the USSR, uh, in order to cl- clear the way for the, uh, the radical, the, well, for the, for the expansion of the Dar al-Islam, the recovery of all the lost territories, the cleansing of the Dar al-Islam, uh, et cetera. So, uh, so, so these elements, uh, which, you know, which, which, uh, uh gave rise to al-Qaeda were the ones who cheered the, uh, the uh, the the bombing of 9 11 and we know by the way that that you know that cheers literally did break out in the Soviet Union and well, the Soviet Union and the Saudi Arabia when when TV showed the showed the you know the scenes of the uh, of the twin towers burning and then crashing well cheers t- t-
0: t- uh, also uh, cheers also broke out uh, among the Israeli Mossad uh, team that was set that, up that, to film that, the first plane into the story, towers.
1: That story has been thoroughly debunked. No, just, are you kidding? They were, they, it's they, it's been they thoroughly. They were not the most team. Look, Mossad ha- in Houston Israel is has Jewish, confirmed it. The
0: top oh. U.S. The G- Jewish Daily Forward has confirmed it. Rolling Stone has confirmed it. It's been confirmed uh, seven repeatedly and nobody has even tried to debunk it that the, the it Israelis has... filed a lawsuit simply for uh, a public relations stunt <sighs> and then withdrew it. It didn't even show up for their lawsuit. The Israelis who were, who were uh, named. Kevin, Kevin, you know, Kevin. Four Israelis, Israelis have been named he, on the Sylvan he, Kurtzberg, his brother. And I forget the other two. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And they, and they, and they, there was a, an excellent article that, that completely debunked the, uh, the, um, uh, that theory. Uh, that look at it's yeah, not a theory. It's, it's there were there were, were 19 Saudis Saudi hijackers. What do you saying? Do you think a Mossad somehow drugged these people, put them on an airplane? Then, there's no, and then, and then Dan, then Dan, there's not a the shred of evidence before. that
0: any of those 19 people were on the plane. There's, there's supposed DNA evidence from everybody else that was on any huh. of those planes, and not one shred of DNA evidence for any of those 19 guys. The families of several of those guys have volunteered seven, to send the seven, United seven, States seven, government seven, their DNA, and they've been repeatedly refused. There's a, a I, I don't think you're, you're just not uh, familiar with scholarship on this. Elias Davidson has done a lot of scholarship, published several books on this, and pointed out, that, if indeed uh, these people were on the planes and they were being accused of this monstrous crime by the u s government the u s government had the duty to show some evidence that against these guys and and they would have shown the uh, official uh, stamped boarding list, they would have shown the ticket stubs, they would have shown authenticized uh, security videos from the airports, and they would have had uh, interviews and uh, depositions from the people. Uh, from the airlines who boarded and ticketed them. And none of that was produced. Zero. There's none of that. There's no DNA evidence. And then there's all kinds of evidence from these flights that they couldn't possibly have been flown by any of these guys. The 9-11 Commission report said the best pilot among any of the four alleged pilots was a guy named Hani Hanjur. He had been repeatedly refused uh, access to solo in a Cessna training aircraft because he was so bad. He was a very low IQ, uh, unstable individual uh, like several of other of these guys. Uh, and the, 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 he was the guy who supposedly did a stunt flight, uh, it, do, pulling G-forces that would have rendered everybody unconscious to hit the Pentagon, coming in and clipping the lawn. Uh, the story that Hanihancher so, so, hit the so, Pentagon so that, on that it, flight it is was, the what? most absurd fairy tale that's ever been peddled by the American government. And that's saying something.
1: So it was all the work of Mossad or the FBI or both?
0: Well, you know, I... I what, you know, whatever you want to speculate has nothing to do with what I just told you. That the story that Hani Hunter, who couldn't solo in a Cessna and was a low IQ doofus, uh, stunt piloted the flight that supposedly hit the Pentagon at a speed that that plane was not even rated for going, uh, and might have even you know, that, that that whole story of 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 the flight on the Pentagon, and to some extent the other flights, the the speeds at which these planes hit the Trade Center towers was incredible and it looks like uh the best studies would suggest that human pilots couldn't have done it uh if they had they would have been extremely lucky and so the, the whole story of muslim hijackers falls apart on a long 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 list of levels
1: well i i you know I'm, I'm sorry and i hate to say this but i can't help but think that your views are colored by your religion Another, that, that, no, that, I, other I was the words, last Muslim that, that, in Madison that, that, to figure this that, out, in actually. Other words, that, <laughs> that, in other words, you are a Muslim, yeah. and you hate to believe that Muslims were responsible for this. No, uh, not, and not, you, no, not. And, and, and you want to That's believe that it, was a, that it was someone else who, who did it, uh, and some, either, either Mossad or the FBI or CIA so, or whatever. So how about the 3,500 architects and, and engineers? Somehow the, and the, somehow the, 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 Muslim, the Muslim renaissance or the Muslim awakening of post-79 somehow um did not give rise to these forces uh and i think it's just uh i think you're just going off in a in a really bad tangent dan
0: dan let me let me just say that i i told you about my views on january 6th now i'm obviously not i
1: i I disagree with those as well by the way i'm sorry i disagree with those as well
0: okay so right but what i'm saying is that i i don't uh accept the obvious reality that the fbi created the january 6th incident because ah. I have any sympathy with Donald Trump any more than I accept the truth about 9/11. Because I have sympathy with the Islamic Awakening, uh, I didn't uh, jump on board with 9/11 truth in a big way for two years because I I thought, well, it's it indeed, it, you know, it's it's likely that there's something more going on. There's all sorts of incredibly suspicious stuff coming up every day in the mainstream press but we'll probably never really know. The only reason I jumped on it was because I discovered the work of David Ray Griffin and read it carefully and did some research and discovered that he was right. And likewise, with January 6th, it's not that I want that to be true. It's how the world works. The, the world does not work the way that we are being told in the corporate controlled press. And and the, as you've seen, the left is heavily infiltrated. The left is mostly fake opposition. Uh, the bet that not... Most red uh, left magazines from the 1950s were created by the CIA. Uh, the, the French Socialist Party, which yes, it got support from dupes, uh, real socialists, they voted for for the French Socialist Party, but it was created and steered by the CIA through its entire existence. I mean, I, I lived in Paris when when Mitterrand was president, and uh, I had figured that out even back then. So I, I think that you're the prisoner of a false paradigm that's been created by those forces who find basically, if, you know, if, if you were part of the platonic guardian class, the people who have made it their self-appointed role. To protect their empire against forces, foreign and domestic, and they'll stop at nothing and commit any crime, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to do that, tell any lie and so on and so forth. You know, if you're a member of that class, you would see why, uh, people in that class would, uh, as soon as there's a threat, like the Islamic awakening is a threat, well, the way we can stop that threat is to become that threat and you create Al Qaeda. You see that the Trump movement is becoming a threat. Trump himself is a threat. So you have to, become that threat and create the January 6th incident to undermine that movement. That's just what they do. And I can kind of, I can sympathize with them doing it to the Trump movement more than I can to the Islamic awakening, but I'm saying this as a, trying to be truthful and objective. I'm not saying this out of partisanship.
1: But your, but your, but your concept of a platonic guardian class is unrealistic. I mean, that is that that is the source of your error. There is no, there is no all-powerful, all-seeing, all-guiding force.
0: Well, of course, I never right said
1: that. they were all-powerful. And the American ruling class, the foreign policy establishment in, in, in Washington, are, are a bunch of incompetent idiots. Many of them. Who, 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 who couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. And the idea that they would somehow control and give rise to these dis- disparate forces and create all these kinds of like, you know, uh, incidents from the, from 9-11 to January 6th, uh, it just, just gives to them, you know, attributes to them a kind of power and foresight which is completely unrealistic.
0: Well, Dan, if you actually look at the details of these events, you discover that they're incredibly incompetent in how they carry these things out. You'll be uh, shocked at how obvious it is that the FBI was running the very people who were the instigators of the breach of the Capitol. Uh, I will send you the URL of the recent Revolver article uh, with their photos and names and so on and so forth. uh, When these people who actually orchestrated the breach are not uh, even identified in many in, in in a couple of key cases, much less arrested by the FBI instead the FBI arrests the patsy, the designated patsy, and they break all his bones uh, and and basically virtually kill him in prison uh, you know you can kind of see what 's going on, and you understand the people that organize this are really not that clever it 's just that with our controlled media. Most people don't bother to do a really careful reading of the facts in these kinds of cases, and so then the cover story ends up dominating public perception. But if you look carefully at the details of nine eleven I guarantee you i 'll give you a list of thirty or forty books if you really want to dive into it you will you know you don 't even take anywheres near that long you know maybe three minutes of a building seven video along with uh Larry silverstein's confession to demolishing it will do it i don 't know but uh, if, if looking carefully at, at the details is what you'll discover is that first the people pulling this stuff off from among the guardian class are they're in many cases they're more competent than some of the people who aren't pulling this stuff off but they're not that competent and they're screwing up all the time and it's not that hard to catch them and the only reason that they don't get caught is because not enough of, the, of us are paying close enough attention and then finding strategic ways to stage essentially
1: counter coups the, against but, them. But the, but, the, but the FBI is not that kind of that kind of force. And the mean? FBI and the, F, the FBI is a, is a bureaucracy filled with a lot of like you know of fallible individuals led by people of limited intelligence like Jim Comey. Um, it's a, it's a, it's just a a, a big overblown uh, typical American bureaucracy, oh, which, yeah. is yeah. which is incapable, which is which is incapable of exercising the kind of for, foresight and forethought that you attribute to. Well, it. well let me it yeah, let, let, let me it, explain uh, my model of how, you know, how this works. and let me finish a little bit. Okay. Like you know, it's like the Kennedy assassination. I mean, the...
0: hello, Dan. I, I, I'm losing your sound.
1: Oh. I'm sorry. Can, can you hear okay, me? Okay, now? now you're back. Okay, I'm sorry. And, and yeah, the so you mentioned Kennedy
0: that, assassination. We lost the sound. Just kidding. <laughs> <getting. laughs> sorry, grassy.
1: Exactly. knoll. exactly. So, so the, so the conspiracy theories got. Oh man, some kind of concept of a of a all power intelligence behind this uh, this conspiracy, and it just didn't. History works. History is, first of all, is not controlled by individuals. It's controlled by, by great social forces like capitalism, for example, socialism, feudalism, feudalism, etc. It works through individuals. Individuals do not control history. Most individuals, individuals. And, and the, and the, what are you talking about? The, 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 the Kennedy assassination or 9-11 or, or January 6th. Or, or my really my my all-time favorite was Russia Gate, where the mm-hmm. the entire media and Democratic Party and CIA and FBI were consumed by what was really the final analysis a giant conspiracy theory, as equally as overblown and absurd as, as the Kennedy any of the Kennedy assassination theories. Well, I I, um, but that, no, I, I would say
0: January Six was, was that was a false conspiracy theory, but JFK and 911 are true I, ones. I, I,
1: but, Jan- but January 6, we saw we saw January 6 coming for months. I mean, essentially, it was it had to do with the, the breakdown of the American constitutional system, which I've written about extensively, and um and and, and Trump's role as an outsider, an upstart, right wing. Well, this is this is a, a talented... post hoc rationalization, though. No, it's not. This, this was, this was I mean uh, this was evident beforehand. I mean, when when Trump you no, know, it wasn't it wasn't evident uh, that,
0: it wasn't evident that there would there would be uh, a, a violent breach of the Capitol. There had been thousands of Trump rallies and essentially no violence whatsoever yes, by yes, Trump supporters.
1: Yes, yes. but but with, with Trump, when when Trump, by July of 2016, was was telling people that he would not necessarily abide by the results of the election unless, of course, he won. Um, it was clear that he and his followers would do something. Disruptive uh, and anti-democratic in the event he lost, and that was quite clear. It became clearer on the uh, the the morning election day when I think at 3 a.m. Trump gave a uh, a press conference and essentially announced that he had won and that the uh, that the the the, all those extra votes for Biden were just like you know just uh, examples of cheating by the and became clearer and clearer from that point on that something was going to happen. Exactly. That, that's that's uh, and, exactly why they would but, have but they, to do January sixth F- to, to discredit did, that. But the but the FBI didn't 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 cause it, and and Trump's, Trump essentially fired up his uh, fired up his followers and that and the Stop the Steel rally announced. No, you know, if you don't fight like no, 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 healthy, the, 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 the FBI have, guys have had already country got, country the breach, sent, got the breach, they got the breach going before before uh, Trump's speech was over.
0: The FBI guys uh, created the breach of the Capitol before Trump's speech was even done, Uh, and and the the march time from Trump's uh, location was such that essentially nobody who even saw the beginning of Trump's speech could have been involved in the breach of the Capitol.
1: For for weeks preceding...
0: You know, Dan, we're having a a tough time with the uh, connection here, so maybe uh is, sorry is, could, uh, could that be on your end or is it on my end you know
1: it could be a my you're coming through crystal clear so it could be on my end uh a uh, we'll in place okay is this better
0: uh you're a little tinier but i hear you fine okay how's this is this no, better yeah let's find let's let's go ahead with with the tinny voice but uh without the breakup okay go
1: ahead okay fine so anyway so you know so the, so, you know, so the there had been violence, you know, for weeks preceding January sixth. The Proud Boys were running wild. There was an there was an event in December where they where they the Proud Boys rioted. They got drunk and they and they they beat up type uh, type uh, people. Clear that something was happening. It was clear that the Trump forces would not take their lying down, and that they would do something disruptive. And whether whether Trump's words, you know, fight like hell actually sent the Capitol or whether they were going to the Capitol, you know, before he even uttered those words is really a secondary question. The important is. Okay. Well, you know, for a, some kind of gigantic with the established authorities and you don't have to blame the fbi for that i mean like no i'm happy to blame the fbi for a thousand different things but you know but it it wasn't necessarily the fbi the the fbi didn't cause the event it was you know a gigantic institutional breakdown
0: okay you know you're you're still breaking up a bit and i i wonder if this is something i i can fix let, let me hang up for a second yep. and, and call you back uh, I'll, I'll go to my okay, backup party. modem so uh back in a moment okay there how's this okay we're back uh sounds good yeah i think i i think i fixed it i think it was on my end so okay yeah. so, so you're arguing that you could kind of see that january 6th thing coming And I I think that's uh, a a post hoc rationalization. We could definitely see something coming. And I I think something was happening. And I think the real danger to the republic was not so much that a bunch of naive uh, Trump supporters would go and get fired up in Washington and then go and, you know, a couple of of really angry ones would breach the Capitol and a few more, you know, a few hundred more would follow them into the Capitol. They would run around taking selfies. I don't think that was really the danger. I think the real danger was that Trump and his uh, some of his supporters, perhaps especially a couple in the military and who knows where else were in a position where they were coming up with an actual plan where they could find, for instance, getting Mike Pence to throw the election to the House. Uh, They they had uh, actual plans along those lines that were really a threat. And I think that within the uh, world of you could some people call it the deep state. Others might call it the national security community whatever you want to call it, the uh, the D.C. insiders, uh, well-connected insiders, were very concerned about the situation. And I think probably the Capitol situation was organized by those who felt that discrediting the Trump movement uh would would definitively with some kind of staged photo op public relations stunt which is what 9-11 was of course as well so many of these things uh function as public relations stunts even even if they're real events Pearl Harbor was a public relations stunt to get the U.S. into World War II in a sense and so they needed that kind of big public relations stunt and that's that's why they would have uh breached the Capitol and created the situation that we've seen since um and, and that see, that doesn't negate almost anything that you said before. What it just adds is that within the uh, platonic guardian community, and I, I would agree with the political scientists, there are a long list of them who have said that any political entity that doesn't have a political guardian class will not last very long. So we can be assured that anything, all, virtually all political major political entities, cities and states that uh, are existing and have for a while have such a class, and within that class, Dan, I want to point out that the ones who actually can get things like this done uh, are those who are essentially working both sides of the law if you 're working both sides of the law, you have a huge advantage over those who aren 't because uh, you you can uh, essentially do do criminal things that are very helpful strategically for your objectives for getting power for your side and so we see this pattern repeatedly throughout history. That the, for instance, J. Edgar Hoover collaborates closely with Meyer Lansky throughout his career. Lansky has dirty pictures of Hoover that give him total control over Hoover, some say. And so you end up with Hoover uh, exerting tremendous influence behind the scenes in American politics, deciding which uh, people will be elected, which will get nominated to run for Congress, uh, which perhaps which politicians need to be killed in some cases. He relays these orders, perhaps some of them coming from Lansky to Roy Cohn, his l- lieutenant for New York. Uh, Roy Cohn happened to be the guy who created Donald Trump in the first place. There would be no public figure named Donald Trump if he hadn't been Roy Cohn's boy toy in the early 1960s. Uh, so uh, Cohen, as if you followed his career, uh, controlled what happened in the New York City legal system and courts. Uh, and and there didn't have to be legitimate trials and legitimate judicial activity because everybody knew that you cross these guys, you get killed. Uh, the FBI uh, was taking orders from Whitey Bulger and vice versa. The two of them were working together to kill their mutual enemies. Uh, and on and on and on. This And what we know about this is the tip of the iceberg. So I think we need to change our model of how the world works Understand that there's a platonic guardian class. Within that class, those who are willing to commit crimes for strategic advantage work with actual criminals who don't have bureaucratic jobs, but are vastly richer than the people who do have bureaucratic jobs, and those forces collaborate to run the world. Uh, Read John Perkins uh, on the economic hitmen and the regular hitmen. The regular hitmen both work for the government and take out heads of state that won't cooperate with the empire. And then they also work for very wealthy people, taking out their enemies as well. And they can take anybody they want down in a private plane crash, etc., etc., etc. So, uh, I mean, the, the way the world works is not the way it's portrayed in the public myth, and it can't be because you know it's it's so depressing. Uh, you couldn't run a society where everybody knew the truth.
1: But but I, th- I think the real problem is this, uh, is this completely platonic class. I and mean, I think I think I think that concept is fundamentally I think it's, a uh, it's ahistorical. I think it's basically kind of magical thinking. I mean, it posits this, this eternal force, you know, outside of history, which somehow secretly directs history from afar. I mean, it reminds, it reminds me of, uh, Lyndon LaRouche.
0: Why, why, why is it external? I mean, why aren't these just people but, who just, you know, it, like, it reminds, like anybody else who rises to a high position of power in a given society? What's,
1: it, it reminds me of, uh, of, of Lyndon LaRouche and his, uh, and his theories and you know, his elaborate theories about these, you know, uh, plat, 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 platonic forces versus Aristotelian forces, and uh, he's actually about—he's actually in favor of uh, Plato, you know. But the, but the British—I I think,
0: I think he's right, and I think yeah. Plato was right, and Aristotle was wrong. So I guess I'm on that, on that side. But the, that but, the, but,
1: the, but the point is, you know, these, these all these supra-historical forces, which are somehow directing history. Pulling the levers, turning the knobs, et cetera, et cetera, causing this to happen there and this to happen, there, happen in another place. And somehow, you know, goes back, you know, LaRouche, you know, has it going back to ancient Egypt. And, uh, and, and it's somehow this, this one force throughout history, which somehow, you know, just sort of exercises this kind of monumental power. Yeah,
0: that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm I, saying that every separate power center, whether it's in a big city, uh, or, or a nation state, uh, is, is going to have people rise to the top of that structure who are going to see it as their job to kind of keep the structure going. I mean, this is just it's kind of self-evident. And so how do you keep the structure going when you're in a very competitive world uh, where people are competing for ruthlessly competing for resources and you're competing against other states and so on? Uh, you're going to have to do what it takes to keep to make your group prevail. And so I, I don't see this as one conspiracy, one platonic conspiracy going back to Egypt. I see this as human nature. I see this as power-seeking people rising high in the power structure, and you end up with lots of uh, high-IQ psychopaths. And then their psych- the psychopathic element uh, be- creates a lot of people who are not born psychopaths. They become sociopaths. They become uh, A cultured to seeing the world in this way that they see themselves as an uh, privileged elite that doesn 't really have to play by the rules and they they have the old boys network that makes sure that they don 't have to play by the rules i mean i I really think any serious study of of the details of all sorts of events. In American and world history, uh, supports that interpretation, which is not remotely like what you're saying. You're describing some amorphous, uh, uh, otherworldly conspiracy that goes—that's all united. And what I'm describing is simply uh, corrupt human nature.
1: But it's a, as I said before, it's a, it's a basic Marxist principle that, uh, that that history works through individuals, and that individuals do not direct history. History is composed of, of, of class forces. Which utilize individuals in the furtherance of the class conflict and and class based development, but you know but, but those but these individuals do not direct history to anywhere near the degree that you say they do. I think you are imparting all kinds of intelligence, control, powers, etc to these people that they don't have they 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 completely lack the foresight they are they are mediocre individuals who've been propelled into high positions. They they, they they have less idea of how the world works than the average man in the street. They're constantly bumbling, constantly fouling up. Um and, and, and you are attributing far more foresight to these people than they really have. I mean I, I see I mean I see first of all I saw it January sixth, as I said earlier, I wrote an article pointing out. You know that 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 January sixth was a was a um a a near a, almost a perfect rerun of an incident that occurred in January, 1642, when 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 uh, when Charles I sent 400 troops to invade the House of Commons and it marked the start of the of the English Civil War, and 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 my theory of January sixth is essentially is the American constitutional system is disintegrating long rock remarkably similar lines mm-hmm.
0: well that, and, I, I wouldn't entirely disagree with that
1: fine. and and so and so but you know but 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 Trump is merely a he's merely thrown up by history he's not caused
0: <laughs> yeah I, the, thrown up is a, is a good word for
1: that <laughs> the FBI whether whether there was whether there were some you know some infiltrators involved in this militia or that militia the FBI's role is completely ancillary it's not causative in any significant way. Um, and so, so I think that as I said before, you're putting a hundred carts before the horses. You were just your your methodology essentially is backwards. You have the historical forces, you know, operating in reverse from what they really are.
0: Well, this, um, is, this sounds like the kind of debates I used to have uh, back in in Madison in the late 1970s. And oh, and actually cool. I was more on your side then, but since then as I've studied these specific individual instances much more closely, I've concluded that in in many of the cases at least it turns out that for example with January 6th, I don't think there would have been a capital breach if the, uh, somebody hadn't decided to, uh, call off the protection of the Capitol or stand it down, uh, and, uh, also send in, uh, professional FBI infiltrators to get the ball rolling. I don't think, I, I think the Trump supporters would have all just kind of milled around in the Capitol and yelled and screamed and done a big media up and then gone home.
1: I, 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 um, I, uh, agree with the first, the first part of your statement. I disagree with the second. I think the role of uh, FBI infiltrators was secondary, but I agree that the, the police uh, force was uh, was not as strong as it as it might have been. But the reason was is that no one knew how to respond to a U.S. president who was essentially urging on a riot. They they, they were paralyzed. The whole system was paralyzed. They had no idea how to respond. So you know. So uh, there was, and there was no. I mean, Trump headed up the executive branch, and the executive branch includes the FBI. So no one in the FBI had the temerity, or the or or any of the the police forces, to beef up the police to to to, to fend off supporters of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's this is. It's, what happened in many ways is much simpler. It doesn't require, doesn't, doesn't require these kinds of activities by the FBI or what, or, or the, Metro, or this DC Metropolitan Police. I mean, these, these were just like, you know, these, the, the constitutional structure was breaking apart at the seams. And, and this riot was the most dramatic manifestation of that okay, to so, date. So, so Dan, just, do, you, do you
0: believe that COINTELPRO existed or is that just, just a conspiracy just theory? As
1: the, just as, just just as the, as the shelling, of uh of uh oh god for the shelling of that fort in, in South Carolina. In 18- yes. Fort Sumter, right. This is just as the shelling of the of the of Fort Sumter in April eighteen sixty one was the most dramatic um uh manifestation to date, uh to up to that point of a very similar constitutional breakdown, not between the legislative and executive branches, but between the states and the federal government. But the point is, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have some kind of theory to explain Fort Sumter away. Well, actually, actually,
0: I don't, but I'm sure somebody
1: Pinkerton's does. Involved. What was that, please?
0: <laughs> I, I don't, but but probably somebody does.
1: Right, so somebody probably does. It was probably some kind of elaborate conspiracy involving Pinkerton or mm. Jacob Schiff in New York or John Jacob Astor. Or whatever bigwig was supposedly pulling the strings behind the scenes, but it was a, it was an, it was a, a product of a of a of a of a vast monster, vast and powerful constitutional breakdown, just as January sixth was uh, some 160 years later.
0: But, but both of these perspectives, the one you're articulating and the one I'm articulating, uh, in many respects, uh, could be seen as complementary. That is, one doesn't have to deny a lot of what you're saying to argue that the actual details of how these events happen on the ground do include all kinds of um infiltrations of criminal activity of high-level criminal activity. The people who reach the highest levels of organized crime, like the current Don of global organized crime, is Miguelovich from the former Soviet Union, um, who you know, the Russian mob has its headquarters at the top level of Trump Tower. Uh, we already mentioned who, you know, Trump was created by Roy Cohn, who worked for uh Hoover and Lansky, and now these people at the top of organized crime. Whatever you think about bureaucrats and how stupid they are, you must admit that Mogilovich has probably got a you know a IQ approaching 200, and many of these other billionaire criminals do too. That's how they're able to survive uh, in a very hostile environment. And so your perspective could be basically true, but it could also include a lot of activity of the kind that I'm describing. But, we're, you know, we should come back and discuss this some more and also discuss issues around uh, your interest in history, uh, the constitutional theory and, and so on. But we've hit the end of the hour this time. Okay. But it's been a very uh, entertaining and interesting, and I uh, I respect your work. And honestly, we, you know, there's an interesting debate is to, to what extent are our perspectives complementary, to what extent do they really contradict each other, and maybe we can continue that some other time.
1: Okay, sounds good, Kevin. Okay, thanks, Dan. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.